and I really feel that every parent should be entitled to have this joy of enjoying parenthood. Yeah, the most difficult part of my job is giving that negative news to the patient is the most challenging part. So I didn't give them hope, they gave me hope in that because that was the case I'll never forget. Hello and welcome to Fertility Tales powered by Nova IVF. I'm your host Simrat and today we're diving deep into the world of fertility with a very special guest, Dr. Swapna. Dr. Swapna is a leading fertility expert in Nova IVF Fertility Vijaywada. She brings with her a wealth of experience having practiced 13 years in the UK and 7 years in India in reproductive medicine. She is here with us to shed light on male and female infertility and share with her experience and insights. Dr. Swapna, it's a pleasure to have you with us on the show today. Thank you, Simre. Let's start at the very beginning. From your journey from a medical practitioner to a fertility specialist is truly inspiring. How did you choose the profession of medicine? Did it choose you? Was it your childhood dream? Uh, basically, I was very good at science at school. And uh, the reason why I was good was because I found that very interesting. Of course. And my parents encouraged me in that direction. And the thing which I learned from my parents is they always had the heart to help. And my mom always said, in medical profession, there is an opportunity to serve a lot of people. And till today, she says the same thing. And I thought my interest and my parent interest together, I decided to join medicine. And you're serving so many people. They must be so proud of you. They're really happy about it. So after your specialization in OBG, uh, how did you move to being a fertility specialist? Was the super, super specialization in this field with a particular interest? What sparked it? Basically, I did my uh, ops and gynae training in UK. And during the training in the initial years itself, we do different uh, clinics. Say, for example, it could be fertility or uh, maternal medicine, fetal medicine and different areas. Um, at the beginning of the training, I was just observing in a fertility clinic with my uh, consultant mm. and I've seen couple how they're suffering and uh, there's a lot that needs to be done it's not just the couple it's the families that are involved mm. when the couple are facing infertility issue so this something really I gave a good thought about and not just that um, um, there is a family history of infertility and uh, I was scared, to be honest, mm. more than choosing the specialty, I was scared whether I would face the same problem. But by God's grace, um, I'm blessed with two kids. And I really feel that every parent should be entitled to have this joy of enjoying parenthood. Mm. So after going through my personal experience at work and family, I thought um, this is something I will be able to do with passion. So that's how I got into fertility. And helped so many couples who... Definitely. Um, I think um, the best part of my day is when I get a phone call saying that uh, um, this so-and-so patient called saying that they had twins or a singleton, both mom and baby are doing well from our staff. And I get messages from the doctors who delivered them. And sometimes the patient just call me directly 
the first person to inform is you, doctor, is what they say. That makes my day, actually. That must be such a joy. Absolutely. Doctor, you spoke about the family um, in the beginning. Um, what does a role of a family have to play in, some, in a couple's fertility journey? How important do you think that is? I think um, it's extremely, extremely important because the couple are already stressed about it. Mm. The family is there to support them and guide them as well. There is two extremes of it these days. Uh, some couple are aware and they would love to have a child maybe a year or two after they get married or even immediately. And if they don't achieve that, they get stressed. The family should guide them, not criticize them. Mm -hmm. Because uh, what I have seen here is uh, there is some kind of uh, stigma yes, that women are responsible if they're not having kids. So usually they, ha they are under a lot of pressure. So that should go away. Basically, the family should guide them. So if they do not have kids, what do they need to do? Who do they need to discuss it with? How can the family support them and guide them mm -hmm. is what is important rather than trying to put pressure on them to conceive as soon as possible. On the other extreme, there are couples who want to delay their uh, fertility, uh, fertility journey, journey yeah. due to various reasons. It could be career, it could be settlement, it could be taking care of parents or whatever reasons. So they also should be guided by the family wherever possible. Mm -hmm. uh, when to plan, uh, when to see a specialist, mm. how to take their advice into consideration so that they do not lose their chances of parenthood. That's true. I think it's a very important decision that a whole family also needs to make and uh, family needs to support for a couple. That's true. Doctor, after your enriching experience in the UK for that spanned across 13 years, uh, you decided to move to uh, your base, which is Vijayawada. And... Uh, what were the key learnings that you could apply from UK to here? Um, in UK, um, there is a very holistic and systematic approach that we take. And uh, the cultural aspect also we need to take into consideration. Right. The most important thing is understanding from the patient's perspective. And that I apply a lot here. We do need to understand from the patient's perspective. But we also need to tell the facts to the patient in a more appropriate way. Say, for example, we tell the patients what their success rate is. It can be low, it can be high, it varies depending mm. on the problem. Mm. But the way we communicate with the patient is more important so that they do not take it as a shock. Mm. That is extremely good in UK, which I have brought back here, making the patient feel comfortable before we discuss anything, but at the same time, give them the facts. Do not give them false hopes. Hmm. That's very so important. That's extremely Transparency important. is very important for a couple. And at the same time, what are all the options available? And what would be the first choices we recommend? And if they are not keen, what other options would work well for them? Hmm. So we go through everything in detail. Some patients, um, in I mean, in UK, they normally patients prefer it that way. But what I have observed in India is some patients are keen for us to make their decision on their behalf. Some patients, like in UK, educated uh, couples here, they prefer to know all the options. Yeah. So we have to go according to what 
the patient background is and what the patient wishes are. But whatever we decide, we have to tell them the pros and cons of that decision. So a more holistic approach and keeping the couple informed. And giving them a realistic uh, chances. That's extremely important. And the other important thing is we should not uh, make them lose hope by telling every small thing. It can happen, but saying that and also giving them hope to move forward in their journey is extremely, extremely important. Basically, we have to be with them in their journey to make them feel comfortable and give that positive hope. And treatment part is very minimal. The emotional part I think it's more it's making up the mind and uh, counselling them to be able to because you come, you might be bearing some good news and bad news and to be able to break it out to the patient must be uh, quite a... Yeah, the most difficult experience. part of my job is giving that negative news to the patient is the most challenging part. But giving that news and again, uh, not making them lose hope yeah. to take a step forward to fulfil their journey, that's something... I find it very challenging, but a lot of my patients, not just me, other patients who have been in that journey, they also motivate patients by having some groups, mm. which uh, I found very, very helpful. That community and that support is very important. So, yes, I feel satisfied when they're taking a step forward and from our bit, we do everything possible to get them to their dream. That's also an endeavor with Nova, uh, with Fertility Tales and Nova IVF. Uh, that we want to build a community to have more of these encouraging conversations to make this a very seamless journey for couples who are going through this journey. Doctor, let's talk uh, about what inspired you to move back to your home. That's Vijayawada. Um, basically, me and my husband both are very attached to India and our local culture. Uh, we gained a lot of skills in UK and uh, we were really happy from that aspect. But we always felt we were missing family and we were missing our home place. Mm. Uh, so we both made up our mind to come back to India. And my in-laws live close by to Vijayawada. We wanted to be close to at least one of our parents. Mm. Mm. Um, and that's when we decided to settle down in Vijayawada. And I came across NOVA. And I met uh, the team from NOVA at Eshre in Finland. Oh. Um, they were willing to start a branch in Vijayawada and we were willing to move to Vijayawada. So both were similar. So uh, I thought the reason, the main reason why we wanted to come back, not just missing the family or being together with the family. Uh, whenever I was at work, especially after completing my fertility journey there, um, the most important thing a couple need is to really understand them in depth. And I thought, given the cultural background mm. that I moved from here to UK, uh, my roots are from here. So the uh, couple who are suffering from infertility, I can understand better if I'm here and I can give them best when I serve here is what I felt. And the same with my husband. So both of us decided to move back. And today I can see that I can... Uh, understand the couple better and support them in their journey. That's what is um, helpful to a lot of couples. Mm. So that was the main reason, professional perspective, that mm. we decided to move back to Vijayawada. And also apply all your expertise. And one more thing which I noticed is, 
um, we have a lot of family here and uh, some of them were suffering from fertility issues and a lot of them used to travel to Hyderabad or Chennai or Bangalore to have their treatments which I felt was really stressful mm -hmm. because couple are already stressed having fertility issues and again going to a distant place staying there and having the treatment adds to their stress and sometimes they can't go and because of that they're not having the treatments yeah. so I decided at that time if I go to Vijayawada I can help the couples in and around Vijayawada to avoid the traveling and decrease their yeah. stress because here in Vijayawada in Goa we are offering all the services which are available in any cities so that way I feel really satisfied. Accessibility is so important. Extremely. Over the years we've seen uh, increase in infertility across the country and in the world. How do you think the incidence of infertility has changed in a town like Vijayawada? Infertility definitely is on the rise. Um, whether it's in Vijayawada or many other places like Vijayawada, I think it's mainly the lifestyle changes which is significantly affecting the fertility. Mm. So what are these lifestyle factors? These are uh, unhealthy diet, lack of exercise, lack of sleep, too much stress and obesity. Mm. These are the main things which are affecting fertility and that's why fertility is on the rise. Not just these, but in men, if they smoking and the kind of work they're doing, is it a sedentary work? Especially the software engineers, where they have to sit all day mm. and just work on their laptop. Mm. Um, that uh, does not help them at all. Mm. And sometimes uh, there are certain jobs where they are very close to heat that can have a significant effect on sperm counts. Mm. So all these things are increasing um, and there is a lack of awareness that these are going to affect their fertility. Yeah. We are trying to bring this awareness, but I think um, it's not enough what we are doing. There's much more we need to do. Also, there's a certain kind of taboo that is associated with uh, male infertility, I feel. Uh, I mean, female infertility anyway, uh, it's a full stigma around infertility. But male infertility is just taken as a more uh, stern objection to somebody accepting the fact that they could be infertile. And that makes it all the more difficult for the couple to emerge from it. Um, see, that's the major difference I found in UK and India. In UK, both the couple come for consultation the first time. Yeah. Whereas in India... Uh, many a time only female comes for consultation or sometimes both of them come and when I look at the history only the female would have had a lot of treatments even before uh, the checking the male. Yeah. Huh. So, um, but when they are here it's a very sensitive thing and a lot of men find it difficult to take but we reassure them they are not the only one yeah. having to face this problem and there's a lot that we can do for this mm. and just because the sperm count is low it does not mean that it will affect their sexual life or, or their make general you less health of a masculine man huh. or make you any less uh, of a man yeah. yeah so it there are very very few times that happens but majority of the men with low sperm count or male factor um it doesn't affect any other aspect of their life, but they may need a little help in terms of uh, conceiving and having a child. 
So trying to reassure them, they are not the only one. There are a lot of people in this journey and they are leading a very happy life. And what we also sometimes do is connect them with couple who face the similar problem. Mm -hmm. But we always maintain confidentiality. Okay. But some couples accept to speak to others to support them because they have gone through that journey. Um, so that way we try to decrease that stigma and make it more acceptable and then they feel very comfortable and go ahead with the treatment. Yeah, I think it's a more emotional and a personal journey for every couple to understand first and then put into action. Exactly. When it comes to starting their fertility journey, when do you think a couple should consult a fertility specialist? Uh, basically, the couple after they're married and once they decide to have kids and they've actively tried for one year and if they're unable to conceive, Mm -hmm. That's when they should see a fertility specialist. Mm -hmm. But there are exceptions to it. Uh, if they know that there is some reason which might affect like irregular periods or if they're advanced maternal age or paternal age, they could consult a bit earlier. And uh, speaking of uh, starting out your fertility journey, what should a couple actually consider before going into a fertility clinic? What are the things they should know? So the first and foremost thing is they need to know they are in the right fertility clinic. How do they know that is, uh, of course, um, by word of mouth, some people get to know. But if even if they don't know, once they see a fertility specialist, uh, they need to have an understanding of what exactly they are looking for a fertility specialist. Um, so that needs to be explained to the couple. What are the basic things that happen to conceive? Mm -hmm. And... Uh, they need to be investigated mm -hmm. and where the problem lies is what they need to be told the couple clearly and once they know what the problem is what are the treatment options mm -hmm. and how it is done in a very clear-cut manner and different levels of understanding are there for different couples some people may be very uneducated to very highly educated mm -hmm. and some people doesn't want to know in depth and some people want to know every minute detail depending on what the patient's wishes are, uh, we can explain them accordingly. So once they understand everything, then they feel comfortable with that clinic and the doctor as well, how approachable they are, how comfortable they are with the doctor, how much they can express themselves, whatever it may be a small or a big thing. Uh, if the doctor and the organization is able to accommodate all these things, I think that's the right place for them. All right. And uh, adding to that, what is a good fertility clinic according to you? And what should a couple look out for when they are going for a fertility clinic? So basically, a uh, right fertility clinic is where they are transparent. Mm. So they need to be very open about what the problem is. And they need to be ethical. And not just that, but they need to be scientifically up to date. Right. And they should be doing up to date treatment to the couples and also transparent in form of not just treatment but in terms of cost as well mm -hmm. because a lot of couple fertility issues itself is a stress to them and if they are unaware of the cost and suddenly it comes as a surprise to them it can be even more stressful yeah. to them so being realistic with everything and giving them various options in adjusting to their requirements uh, that helps the couple these are the main things that we need to make sure the couple are aware when they are at the fertility clinic. Doctor, in your experience, 
do couples come well informed about the fertility treatments and what are the kind of misconceptions that they have that they bring to you and you're able to address so uh, some couple are aware of the treatment options fertility treatment options some couple are very confused um, the misconceptions majority of the couple have is uh, the success rates of these treatments mm. so the success rates depends on their problem and there is nothing like 100% for any treatment but obviously the advanced treatments like IVF and ICSI have the higher success rates compared to IUI but does that that does not mean that they should not have IUI mm. so it depends on what their situation is how long they've been trying and uh, what is more recommended currently in that scenario so couple some couple they directly come and say we want to go for IVF because they think it might be 100% is what their perception is but when we go through everything then they realize it's not 100% it can be 60% 50% or depending on their problem then they would like to rethink about their decision before they go forward just to understand how does a couple react when you tell them the success rates initially they might find it uh, shocking but uh, we take them through what exactly the we do during the treatments and what can go wrong why the success rates are not 100% is it just here anywhere in the world do you have any treatment that's 100% su successful or is there any specialists hmm. who are offering such services no matter how much the cost is it's not available so we tell that explain that to them and but what we reassure them is it may not be possible in the first attempt but they may be able to get this success rate in the second attempt or the third attempt but what they need to understand is we do the IVF safely basically the most important thing is safety of the mother hmm. so as long as the mother is fit and healthy and able to go through this procedure safely, um, if they are not successful in the first attempt, they can go for it second time or third time because a lot of couples are not aware of it. And some of them do ask me whether they can conceive naturally once they have IVF or is it always an IVF. That depends on the problem. Mm. Uh, if the, uh, it's a tubal block, bilateral tubal block, um, the only option for them is IVF always. Okay. But if it's uh, some other reason like irregular periods, um, there may be an option to conceive naturally at some point. Oh. But just the chances of that happening may be very low. Uh, but they need to understand that once IVF is done, they can never conceive naturally is what some people think. It's a but it depends on the problem, okay. not exactly okay. all the time. That's interesting to know. Because the couple are under a lot of pressure to have the first child. So mm -hmm. they want to go for the treatment sometimes, whichever gives them the highest success rate. And for the second one, they may want to try uh, for an year or so before coming for fertility treatment. So whoever it is suitable to, I can ask them to try naturally wherever possible. Further talking about misconceptions, what are the most baseless misconceptions that you or myths that you would like to bust for couples who are looking to start out their fertility journey? So the one misconception a lot of people have is even educated or uneducated or low or high socioeconomic status, they feel they are a bit uh, sensitive about which gametes are going to be used. Is it going to be the same gametes 
okay. or not. Same Big, uh, couples. Couples gametes. I mean to say wife and husbands. Mm. So when they come here and when we suggest, say for example, an IUI, it's a procedure where we a, transfer healthy sperm into the womb when the egg is released from the wife. So they are a little bit concerned how this sample is going to be handled in the lab and whether their own sperm are going to be injected, will there be any mis mix up. In good fertility clinics, there are robust mechanisms to make sure that we are using the right one for the right couple. Mm. And we can also use the most advanced one. Same thing for IVF. So when we do IVF, we extract the eggs from the women and on the same day the sample is collected from the husband mm. and the healthy sperm are identified through various techniques and the healthiest sperm is injected into the egg and when all this process is going on there is double witnessing mm. and we also um, use a system called RI witness where we get an alarm if the wrong one is matched we rarely that rarely happens because even before that there is a lot of mechanism and the process that the uh, team is trained and tested to follow so that this mix-up doesn't happen mm. there's and a lot of check and balance there so uh, even the family has a misconception that IVF means that they use somebody else's uh, eggs and sperm not the couples that 95% of the time we use the couples only in rare situations where there's no eggs at all or where there's no sperm at all and there is no possibility of that happening then we offer that to the couple going for donor egg or yeah. sperm. Choosing an IVF clinic is um, a very important step for the couples. What factors do you think a couple should keep in mind before choosing an IVF clinic? Uh, so a lot of for a lot of couples they come with a lot of hope uh, when they decide to go for IVF and uh, they expect to have the best outcome. So where they get the best outcome depends on few important things. One is the a specialist who they are approaching in that particular clinic, how experienced they are, how qualified they are and what uh, success rate they have been able to give their previous patients. Okay. This is one important thing. How we are able to get that success rate also depends on the good embryology team. Mm -hmm. So what is important in the embryology is have we got a lab with international standards, have we got well qualified embryologists and what day we are able to transfer the embryos that is third day of the embryo or the fifth day of the embryo the standards are ideally majority of the time we should be aiming to do a blastocyst transfer mm -hmm. and ideally the less number of embryos we transfer the better so it's a single or a double embryo transfer by transferring one or two embryos if we are able to give the success rate on par with international standards uh, and for example, in Vijayawada, our average success rate is around 65%, mm -hmm. which is well above international standards. That tells us that this clinic is a good IVF clinic to choose. Um, there are centers where the success rate can be higher than this or lower than this. 
but what kind of patients they are treating is it the younger age group is mm -hmm. it the advanced age group that they are treating so the success rate just doesn't depend if they go for ivf or not what is the problem with which the couple went what is the age of the female what is the age of the male and how long they have been trying to conceive all these factors affect so success rate should also be interpreted very carefully so the center which has the right expertise to give the um, good success rate for their age group is where they should consider having their treatment. Okay. For couples who have just started their fertility journey, uh, what would be your advice to them? So uh, what I recommend is to keep things simple. Uh, the first and foremost important thing is the right age to conceive. The right age to conceive is uh, for females, uh, we encourage them to complete their family before 30 years of age and from Similarly, for males, maybe few years, like 32 to 30, before 32 to 35 years. The reason why this is, is egg count decreases after the age of 30 in females. And even for males, the quality of the sperm decreases as the age advances. That's one important thing. So choosing the right age to have. And maybe within one or two years of married life, they should seriously give a thought to having kids. And the most important thing that enhances their chances of natural conception are to have a very healthy lifestyle which is healthy diet exercise less stress and trying naturally at least three to four times a week and if they have any issues not to feel shy and seek help from a specialist and at the right time that's very important yeah. dealing with infertility can be complex and challenging could you share with us from your experience uh, some complex cases that you've encountered in female and male infertility? Yeah, definitely. Uh, first, I'll talk about the female infertility. So we had a couple who came to us after having treatment elsewhere for a long time. Mm -hmm. When they approached us, her eggs were very low, but they were still present. We counseled them and they agreed to go for IVF. And before going for IVF, I also wanted to make sure her endometrium, which is the lining of the womb, where the pregnancy grows, so I wanted to make sure that was good, but I didn't feel that it looked good. Then we decided to do a hysteroscopy, which is when we look at the cavity of the womb, mm -hmm. uh, putting a camera inside. And when we looked, it didn't look good at all. And I wasn't very confident, but I tried my best to um, release all the adhesions and try to uh, make it to a normal level, but I wasn't very hopeful. Uh, but we did the procedure later on and it did not result in a pregnancy. So um, the couple accepted it because they knew what it was. Then I said it might be difficult even in future mm -hmm. and because it was really extremely bad. Then they took a break for some time. After a year later, they came back to me and uh, they said we, have a, we would like to go for treatment. I said the chances are extremely poor. And they said they went approached a very well renowned fertility specialist who said it's possible then I said I need to have a relook at your womb before I can mm. do it again and then we went again and we released all the adhesions and to my surprise after the procedure the endometrium uh, became so normal and beautiful that we transferred the frozen embryos and this couple had a lovely little girl how lovely so I didn't give them hope they gave me hope in that because that was the case I'll never forget. And coming to the male side, um, I think the male, they were under the impression there was no sperm uh, in the sample. 
and they were under the impression that uh, they cannot have an offspring using his own gametes. Mm. Um, but we did some hormonal investigations uh, which um, showed um, some abnormality and they got some treatment to improve that hormonal abnormality and then we started to see some sperm in the sample after more than six months or so. They were very patient and immediately as soon as they got some sperm, they didn't wait till it became fully normal, we, we froze a sample mm. just as a backup. Yeah. And um, taking too much of hormonal treatments can be very stressful even for men. So we thought just in case in future, if he's not able to. So we froze that sample. Later on, again, it continued to increase. And not just the count, but the motility and morphology came back. Mm -hmm. And we did IVF with their own gametes. And not just having a pregnancy and a child, um, his hormones are normal and he feels healthy as well now in terms of general health. So these are extremely challenging because we have to persuade the couple to wait. Yeah. So they, though the chances were not 100%, even with spermatogenesis, they understood that they have to take it long. Uh, even though it's long, they have to continue to take the medications till it's to a level where at least we can do IVF with his own gametes. So that was very encouraging for us that they continued the treatment. We motivated them and eventually the couple are very happy having a child with their own gametes. Fertility preservation is a very, it's a topic with growing interest and awareness. How would you compare the awareness levels from UK to Vijayawada? Yes, I think um, in UK there is a lot of awareness regarding fertility preservation, which we normally do for mainly couple who undergo cancer treatments. Mm. And uh, recently, because a lot of couple are choosing to plan pregnancies at a later age, even for social reasons, mm. couple are seeking fertility specialist help to freeze their eggs or sperm. That awareness level is also there in India, but not as much as in UK. I think we do need to bring that awareness. And here in Vijayawada, we do have cancer hospitals where we get uh, reference from those specialists um, in young men and women who are, who are undergoing mm. chemotherapy or any kind of surgery that's going to affect their gametes. We get referred here and we counsel them and we have a lot of cases where we froze the sperm and the oocytes of uh, married or unmarried men or women who prior to having their chemotherapy or any surgical treatment. So the uh, specialists are aware but the common people need more awareness that these op options are there though they have if they go through any such situation, mm. um, they can freeze their eggs and sperm. That awareness needs to be increased here. And for social reasons as well, I have some couple who have come to me for social reasons, but much less than what it was in UK. Here, if there is an unavoidable situation where they have to delay their conception, men or women, uh, they can comfortably freeze their eggs and sperm. But what I would like to say is freezing not too late. Mm -hmm. um, I would encourage them to freeze a little bit earlier because the egg count decreases mm -hmm. as age advances. And you have a healthier sperm. Healthier uh, offspring as well. Genetically normal embryos are more possible at a younger age group gametes. 
So taking those factors into consideration, they, sh they should take this decision in the right time as well. But obviously, if they have to undergo at a later age also, it's possible, but the chances might not be as good as a younger age group. Right. Doctor, talking about uh, infertility and male infertility a bit more, what are the three things that you uh, encounter commonly and you can uh, give advice for men to increase their sperm count, be it lifestyle or otherwise? So, we do come across male factor infertility. I think worldwide the incidence is increasing and we see the same in Vijayawada as well. And the most important things that they can do to maintain the uh, normal sperm counts is uh, maintaining a healthy lifestyle. The most important one I would say is avoid obesity mm -hmm. because a lot of people who are doing software jobs or here in Andhra, a lot of people are used to eating a lot of rice, sweets and so on. So that will directly affect our uh, um, body BMI, which is a body mass index. Mm. So that needs to be in the normal range. And the other thing is to avoid smoking. Mm. Smoking can have a significant effect on sperm motility and morphology. And one more important thing is to avoid heat. Um, working in a very hot place like in the kitchens, chefs do work in kitchens or welding workers where they are close to heat or traveling too much or wearing tight underwear can cause heat mm -hmm. and also the software people who put their laptops on the lap for too long. Uh, this heat can significantly affect the sperm uh, quality. So avoiding heat, stop smoking avoid obesity. These are the most important things that they can do uh, to maintain the sperm counts. Uh, similarly, doctor, for women, what are the three things that a female should consider before starting out her fertility journey? The same again, like men, women also should have a very healthy lifestyle mm. with a healthy diet as well as exercise and maintain a healthy weight. What this helps is to have a hormonal balance and this uh, is again going to help them release an egg every month and a healthy egg. Mm -hmm. So that will increase their chances. So the other important thing that women need to know is just because they have regular cycles, it does not mean everything is okay. There's something called ovarian reserve. Uh, this reserve needs to be normal. And if the reserve is low, um, the chances of their conception decrease though they release an egg every month. So that they can get assessed at a fertility clinic um, to make sure the reserve is normal so, they, so that they can consider trying for a pregnancy when the reserve is normal. If the reserve is on the lower side, then the fertility specialist will guide. Um, doctor, lastly, what is the advice that you would like to give to couples who are going to start their IVF journey or are well within it? What is that one advice or advice in general? So couple, when they start their IVF uh, treatment, uh, they need to understand why they're having it and the exact process what is going to be involved. Mm -hmm. So we need to make clear they know that. And during the uh, stimulation phase, they need to be supported by the counselor and the nursing team and also the specialist. Uh, whenever they have any queries, we need to be able to clear that. Mm. And once they have the egg collection, we need to be very clear about how many eggs that they have that we have retrieved and how many embryos have formed and how many blastocysts have we got or how many day three embryos we have got all this need to be clearly told to them and if there is um, any if it is any different to their expectation 
we need to support them to understand that mm -hmm. and post procedure as well the medications if they're finding any difficulties we try to adjust and make it comfortable without affecting the success rate got it and what about the family support the family support is extremely important it's more of a psychological support that they need and a little bit of physical support uh, because they will be on hormonal medications mm. Uh, they can have small side effects. So that needs to be addressed. And psychological support in the form of having a positive mindset by themselves and uh, positive motivation from their family will help a lot. All right. Uh, doctor, last question uh, I would want to ask you is, what makes you do what you do? every day how do you uh, deal with the kind of uh, job that you have the life that you live what makes you do this every day i think uh, the joy that i see in the eyes of the parents when they have a positive result and also when i get the patients with their kid to show me and i always correlate how this couple were when they initially came to me and how they are today after having a baby that happiness makes me come back to work every day. That's beautiful, doctor. Thank you so much for your uh, time and your expertise on this uh, topic of infertility and IVF journey. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. And my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. To our listeners, I hope you took away a lot from this episode today. We spoke about infertility and the advice that you could take to address these issues. Uh, please remember, you are not alone. You have a lot of support every step of the way. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe to Fertility Tales powered by Nova IVF. This is your host Simrat signing off.